It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Baby, that's a weekend. Sean here for your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors following a pair of massive victories for your Toronto Raptors. Friday night in Phoenix against the league's best team. Saturday night in Denver at altitude against the MVP. Just a totally incredible, bloody impressive weekend for your Toronto Raptors who are trending in the right direction after some, uh, let's say, difficulty in the week or so after the All-Star break. We're going to dig into all of it. I've got some thoughts on what this weekend might mean for the Raptors' playoff viability. We're also going to dig into the Rookie of the Year race, which is very much a race and not a one-horse, someone's-got-it-clinched kind of thing. We've got our dudes of the game to hand out and so much more with Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. Coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1137 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, March the 14th. Happy birthday to my little brother on this day. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at Woodley Sean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, you can subscribe to the podcast, follow it, rate, review on all your favorite podcast apps. You can also go to YouTube and subscribe to it for absolutely free. If you want to see the video version each and every day, please go do that. It's much appreciated. Uh, as it is appreciated that you make us your first listen every day. So thanks for that. And a uh, big heads up that today's show is brought to you by our pals over at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts, especially when the March Madness tournament is upon us. So go check them out. All right, on today's show, big weekend, two huge wins back to back in Phoenix and Denver. I don't think anyone expected they were going to win both. I think when they won on Friday over Phoenix, it was like, Hey, they're going to go one and one in this little difficult stretch. That's wonderful. Instead, they are 37 and 30. Now they are one game back of the Cavaliers with one to play against the Cavaliers and are trending in a very strong directions. Vivek Jacob is here from Raptors.com to talk about, talk all about it, man. It's Monday. I can't talk words. Uh, so you talk words, sir. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, man. Had a good weekend. Enjoyed the two wins. As you said, unexpected. Uh, did not see that coming. But, man, this team, you know, they are exactly the type of team that can lose to, you know, uh, Orlando and Detroit and mm-hmm. then come back and uh, beat the Suns and Nuggets in their own building. So, uh, happy to see that. Happy to see some friends. Happy to see Alfonso Davies back in training. So, Ooh, yeah. the good vibes are here for sure. 
We've also, just a heads up, I'm going to be probably perusing my phone at various times throughout here looking at uh, Blue Jays rumors and stuff as well, because that's mm. all happening too. Everything is happening, as it turns out. Kyle Schwarber? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's dive in, shall we? We're going to kind of tackle these games more as like a whole as opposed to going game by game, just because I think there's lots of big picture stuff you can pull from two wins like that, and we'll get into some nitty gritty stuff that took place in each of these games as well. We're also going to talk about Rookie of the Year and where that's at. we got the dudes the game to hand out but we begin the show how we always start these episodes after games uh, what was your biggest takeaway from the weekend as a whole Vivek Jacob I think uh, my biggest takeaway is the value of patience um, mm-hmm. and the value of trust uh, at the right time I think you know a lot of people uh, have rightfully criticized Kem Birch and his play mm-hmm. and he recently talked about the fate that uh, Nick Nurse and the coaching staff have shown in him and how if he was on another team, he probably would be out of the rotation and just uh, watching everyone do their thing. But <laughs> he's been given an opportunity to try and make something of this season for himself because it's been pretty terrible for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's battled through you know multiple COVID absences, uh, the knee soreness, um, and multiple shots uh, you know, wax to the face. So many mm. wax to the face. Stop hitting Ken Birch <laughs> in the face, please. <laughs> and now he is showing that, hey, uh, at my best, I can be a contributor to this team, a meaningful contributor that can make a difference. Mm. And uh, so that's one of my biggest takeaways. I think that's a really good point. And I think you could take that sort of uh, appreciation for patience to the sort of team building model at large with this team, right? Like, I feel like a lot of people have been very quick at any point where things seem to be kind of clunky or the offense slows down and can't score for seven minutes or their defense is too erratic because they don't have like a traditional big back there to clean things up. There's been a lot of like, well, that doesn't work. Vision six foot nine doesn't work. It's done. And I think, look, maybe it doesn't work. I just don't think we have any clue just yet as to what the viability of this team building plan is going forward. And we saw Friday, Saturday, I think two really great examples of why you buy into a vision like this. It's the sort of counter argument to the games where they go, you know, (laughs) seven for 33 against the Pistons from deep or whatever it is, if they even got 33 attempts up in that game. Like you saw in this one, oh, like there's a plan here for how this team is supposed to operate. Their defense, especially on Friday, I thought against the the Suns, like that was an incredible defensive game both ways, I thought. Um, You know, it ended up being like a kind of a higher scoring one. But overall, I thought it was just like a really toughly contested one. And the way the Raptors scrambled with their incredibly aggressive defense late in that one and forced turnovers, got in Devin Booker's head and really messed with him. Like, that is why you play defense like that. That's the sort of ceiling, the upside that you're looking for. Same as we saw against the Nuggets. And look, hey, we got to give a bit of a shout out to DeMarcus Cousins. He really helped the effort uh, for that lineup the Raptors threw out there in that fourth quarter. He was just uh, pissing the ball away every time he saw a couple bodies. Uh, but credit to the Raptors for sending said bodies. And uh, like that fourth quarter defense was unbelievable against the Nuggets. And, you know, Jokic doesn't score a single point. And they, uh, you know, managed to scrounge enough together through offensive rebounding and timely shot making to win that game as well. And again, I just think it's kind of a reinforcement of, yeah, it might not work, but we don't know enough just yet. And we need more games like this counterbalanced with the bad to actually know, hey, is this like a viable strategy long term? You know, sort of connected to all this, Big V, is I think my sort of big takeaway from the weekend is that 
looking at this team and the way they play and the personnel they have on hand, I kind of think, and this could be a dumb take, feel free to shoot me down, but I kind of think this team is geared to actually perform better in the postseason than it does in the regular season. There's a few reasons for that. Like one, I I think like the regular season oftentimes is like a variance game, right? Like you can get killed by variance on a random night because a random dude who, you know, maybe is not going to even be in a playoff rotation or is not going to be getting as much minutes or whatever it might be. Like you can have random guys go off and and, and kill you in a a regular season game. And like a high volume three-point shooting team is always going to have a better chance of winning those random regular season nights. That's just not what the Raptors are. But in the postseason, things get a little tighter. Everything's a little bit more deliberate. And I think the Raptors' defense has kind of shown that when things matter, it can actually tighten the screws and be really, really dangerous. It's tough to carry that over the course of an entire regular season, 48 minutes a night. But the moments where they're able to kind of really key in, they're more or less impenetrable. And in the postseason, you would think that that effort is going to be ratcheted up to the full degree most of the time. And then on top of that, I think the way they're playing offense to me Seems like it might be kind of postseason proof. Yeah, they're not throwing up a ton of threes off of beautiful off-ball movement or anything like that, but they're just kind of throwing it to dudes and saying, hey, you're bigger and stronger than these guys. You can score on them. And I think like when it comes to the starting five, all the main – like when they're full health, I I should say. like I'm comfortable in all five of those guys in a pinch – creating something out of nothing if they really have to. And, you know, obviously you'd prefer it be either Scotty or Siakam because they can seemingly get off any shot they want against anybody. But Gary Trent Jr., we saw him go for 42 points on Friday. Like, he can get on a heater, and he can kind of do his thing with his self-creation and his mid-range game and his pull-up. You've got OG, who's just like a bulldozer going downhill. Fred Van Vliet's got the mid-range game and the pull-up game that he's worked on. Better at the rim than he ever has been. Like, I kind of think this team is geared for, like, the griminess that is postseason basketball in a way that maybe their grime factor doesn't quite ratchet up in the regular season when grime is not really sort of the main mo for a lot of teams do you think i'm crazy with this or do you think this raptors team kind of has the goods to win ugly when winning ugly is kind of the name of the game uh i definitely see your side of the take where i look at this team and what they've been able to consistently show uh on the road like you would yeah. look at those Atlanta and Charlotte games and say, uh, you know, that's the exception to the rule in terms sure. of how they've played on the road. Um, you know, I'm writing a story about, uh, you know, what they've kind of been as a road team. And uh, one of the things I have in there is you look at the standings. Uh, the only teams with better road records as we speak are the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, the Phoenix Suns, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. <laughs> those those five teams are, you know, at, at full strength in the championship conversation, right? Yeah. And so uh, the Raptors are not there yet, but I think in terms of their habits, and I think this is probably the biggest thing uh, that Nick Nurse coaches into his teams is that compete level, mm-hmm. right? And he always talks about, you know, in terms of the team's identity, whatever it is, he wants people to walk away watching his team saying that team plays extremely hard and gives Mm -hmm. everything they have. Uh, And pretty consistently, you see that from this team. Uh, And so I think that lends toward, uh, you know, uh, figuring things out in the playoffs. And 
uh, Nick Nurse's coaching ability is a big factor in that too. Mm-hmm. You look down the line uh, of the teams that will be in the play-in or the playoffs, he will, I, in my opinion, be at worst the second best coach. Yeah, behind Eric Spolstra, um, yeah. at worst, and so you you have a chance with that for sure. The argument against it would be, uh, you know, historically you've seen some teams that go max to the max and full out in the regular season, and that's their top gear in the postseason as well. They they don't mm-hmm. have anything beyond that, and so do the Raptors have another gear to them? That's what I guess we got to wait and see. Yeah, and I guess I would say that like they have not been consistently great, especially in the defensive end in terms of like their energy and their kind of connectivity. Like that has not been a consistent through line of the season. It's why it's been so maddening. They're like 14th in defense, despite when they are kind of at their full and most ferocious level being uh, truly horrifying to look at if you're an opposing team. And so I do think there's a little bit more in terms of just like tying things together over the course of 48 minutes defensively in particular, because that's kind of what drives everything else, right? Like they obviously, when they're defending well, they're getting out on the run and they're, you know, just demolishing teams in transition. That's all part of it. And that's all part of their sort of possession gaming, right, too. Like that, this is a team that, and this kind of goes to my argument as well. Like they're crashing the offensive glass. They are just like nasty. They're 23 offensive fours against the Nuggets. Just incre- incredible, especially the size the Nuggets are throwing out there. It's wild. And so I just think, like, again, the griminess to me seems like it'll translate well. They might not have enough shot making against the best teams in the league. And I'm not saying that because they might be a better postseason roster and sort of team building exercise that they're going to go and win every series because there's lots of very good teams that are also well built for the postseason that are going to come across and they could lose. But I do think I like their chances of hanging tight with some of these good teams at the very least, maybe pulling an upset if they get the right matchup because they really feel like they're kind of set up to win in the nastiest of ways, which uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of. I, I like that grind, baby. Give me that 45% offensive rebounding rate in crunch time. Uh, <laughs> that, is, that is an insane number, by the way. Just to refresh people on their crunch time stats, this is another sort of reason why I feel pretty bullish on how they can do when the chips are down. Like They're a plus 9.1 net rating in crunch time. That's the ninth best in the league. They played the seventh most minutes. It's not a ton. It's only a 138-minute sample, but they've scored at 114 Point five points per 100 possessions they're giving up 105 and like again they're, they're just killing the possession game 45.5 percent offensive rebounding rate it really overcomes their uh, not so good true shooting percentage in those situations because they're just getting those putbacks and like i mean they got 24 more shots up than the nuggets did uh, on saturday as well it's just they're they're winning gross and i think that is cool not gross is Scotty Barnes. Uh, we're going to talk about him, talk about the Rookie of the Year coming up in just a second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars in the game. You got to try yourself some Built Bars. Maybe you're someone who has already given up on your New Year's resolutions to eat healthier, but that's okay. We don't have to marry ourselves to a specific date being the day at which we change ourselves. But Built Bar is here to help you whenever you might want to start easing out of that sweet tooth, that indulgent snacking, and get something a little bit better into you without any of the guilt. Go to Built.com. Just check out all their wonderful flavors. They've got flavors for everybody. There's mint brownie. There's coconut stuff. There's nut and nut-free flavors. There's fruity flavors. There's a million things there for you to try. Limited time flavors appearing all the time as well, including white chocolate cookies and cream, which is up there right now. Most built bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, 17 grams of protein. 
a regular candy bar is going to have at least double the calories, maybe more, and like four times as much sugar. That's crazy. You shouldn't put that much sugar into your body ever. So go and go to Built.com. They're all about the taste. They make it taste good first, then figure out how to make it healthy. Don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at Built.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. We continue on here with your Monday episode of Locked on Raptors, your very first listen of the day with Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. Uh, we should probably talk about Scotty Barnes. Uh, 11 of 20, 25 points, 8 boards, 10 assists, 2 steals and a block, plus 15 against the Nuggets, was instrumental in that fourth quarter lineup, which again, uh, we should maybe re-impress. Uh, no Pascal Siakam or Gary Trent Jr. for the first 8 minutes of the fourth quarter against the Nuggets on Saturday. Uh, it was Trent, it was Thad Young, it was Delano Banton, and it was Boucher, and it was Birch, and they were just flying around, getting steals, and Barnes was kind of the orchestrator of a lot of this stuff, had a huge offensive rebound late, kicked it to Chris Boucher for what was kind of the dagger three, loved Chris Boucher's just casual walk back after that one, it was beautiful. Uh, thoughts on Scotty's weekend, you know, it wasn't as banner a night on Friday against the Suns, he still had 15 points, he still had some flashes, he had five steals as well, it was huge for the defense side of the ball two steel two blocks in that one as well uh overall impressions of scotty barnes this weekend and how it might be informing a certain rookie of the year race <laughs> <laughs> no I, I think scotty is like just special with a capital s uh, i think mm -hmm. it's been a long time since the raptors have had someone this talented it uh frankly uh, you know you look at vince carter's rookie season and He's right there. You look at what he projects to be, uh, he would be there in every single way. I think it's going to be uh, a very rapid uh, growth for him from here as well. I think the way he's picked things up, you think about where he was defensively uh, at the beginning of the season and where he's coming on uh, now. Uh, that is something that really sticks out to me. The defensive yeah. leadership uh, yeah. that he's shown of late, um, He's able to, uh, you know, identify uh, what offenses are doing earlier. I think that's contributing uh, to some of the steals that we're seeing. Uh, he's anticipating plays better. Uh, he's understanding where his teammates uh, are supposed to be and where they're going to be. Uh, yeah. and, and so I think that side of the ball, uh, we expected more coming into the season. And he's really getting there now. And offensively... <laughs> His ability to play bully ball is special. I mean, yeah, wow. Like, he when when he snatched that uh ball off Jokic the other day and was it, you know, it kicked it back out. And I, I think he's incredible. Like, I don't know what more there is to say about him at this point. He's <laughs> he he made me cash out my uh, you know, I had Evan Mobley winning rookie of the year, uh, but the way Scotty <laughs> Barnes is going, like, I cashed out my bet on that. Uh, coward know, coward I, I miss i miss out on whatever uh but uh, you know 
I, I think it's going to be that tight uh, coming down the stretch of the season. He's been that good. Uh, you look at the Raptors in the standings. Uh, I, I can see that playing a factor where people will look and say, okay, the Raptors are mm-hmm. ahead of the Cavs if they are to go ahead of them um, and say Scotty Barnes has been a big contributor there. You look at the minutes he's played. You look at the scoring uh, uh, power, prowess that he's shown uh, and the defensive plays that he's making, you know, Mobley would be, you know, my pick, but yeah. I think the way, you know, hype in the final uh, couple months, uh, there's still can a play fifth a factor. of the season to go. Like, yeah, we should exactly. know that as well. Yeah, exactly. The the way those, the, you know, that last impression uh, can stand strong with voters. I, I think Scotty absolutely has a shot taking this. Yeah, I mean, I think all season long, like, Mobley's had the edge because he's this sort of unprecedented rookie defender. I don't think anything Scotty Barnes has done has made him in that category just yet. Like, Mobley is insane. He is stopping everybody and everything whenever he wants, and that's, like, a truly transcendent defensive prospect. Offensively, Mobley has had to do a lot less, obviously. He leans on Darius Garland quite a bit. Jared Allen's been a huge help there as well. We'll see. I mean, they've lost a couple games in a row here. We'll see if he can kind of, you know, maintain down the stretch with a bigger burden on him. That remains to be seen. But with the way Barnes has taken, you know, the I think the offensive tools have kind of been there all season long. The playmaking, the no-look passing, the, you know, scoring in isolation, whatever he wants to against whatever sort of poor big or guard or wing he's got on him. Like, that has been, I think, well beyond what Evan Mobley has done on the offensive end. He's had a lot more responsibility on that end. And he's starting to do the defensive stuff to match. And I don't, again, like a lot of it's like racking up stats on defense and that doesn't tell the whole story of defense. But I I think the way that, like you said, he just seems like he kind of has a little bit more of a sense of where he's supposed to be, where everyone else is supposed to be. You see him getting frustrated when other guys have breakdowns now. And I kind of think it was only a matter of time for a guy who sees the floor the way he does on the offensive end with the playmaking that he is able to orchestrate. Like that seems like something that certainly translates to how you play defense, right? Just like a high level of understanding of what you're trying to do and what the other team is trying to do. And maybe this was always going to come along, the sort of knack for getting out and, you know, disrupting plays, blowing up plays with his length, his size, his wits, all of that. It's really, he's really too smart. Incredible. It was always a matter of time. Yeah, he's too 100%. smart. 100%. Yeah, he's a genius. Uh, you know, the thing is, like with the rookie of the year race, I, this is an interesting thing to me because, like, all season long, I think Raptors fans have kind of been resigned. Oh, yeah, Mobley's going to win. That's fine. Scotty has a really great run, and boy, has he been great. And he might go and win a second straight rookie of the month in March at this rate. He's been that incredible. I do think, like, a lot of people are showing their asses in how they talk about rookie of the year. I've seen it, uh, you know, in, like, YouTube comments on the show, in conversations I've had with people about rookie of the year. You know, just people you kind of see talk about it online or uh, media folks, whatever. Like, uh, it's a lot of folks who are talking about Rookie of the Year. And I think a lot of it is very dumb because I think it is boiled down so often to, well, it's obviously this one guy and the other two are like scum and they're, they're not in it. And clearly it's Cade Cunningham. Are you stupid? Go read the YouTube comments from last Tuesday's episode with Mark Schindler if you're curious as to what Detroit fans think about Cade Cunningham. Uh, wild stuff. Truly insane. Uh, <laughs> but like... All three guys are amazing is the thing. And I think you can have it ordered in any way you want and you're not wrong. But the only wrong way to look at this is to say one guy is the clear guy. Even though I love Scotty Barnes and would love for him to win, I can't earnestly look at his season and say, oh yeah, it's clearly better than what Cade Cunningham is doing or clearly better than what Evan Mobley is doing. 
it's more than okay for it to be a three-horse race that is very close and will be decided by the voters. And there's not much we can do about it. Maybe we get a three-way tie. Wouldn't that be lovely? You get 33 votes for each of those three guys in first, and then Bones Highland gets a, 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 the rogue first-place vote to throw it out of whack. I don't know. But I, I just think we're being way too simplistic and reductive with this conversation. And I had a really great interaction last night with, uh, I'm trying to find the tweet now. His name's Dave Anthony. He uh, replied replied to my post about this when I was talking about how it's very clearly a three-horse race and you're being stupid and obtuse if you think it's only one. And his reply is, it seems like a great rookie class with so many great stories to appreciate and you can't get mad at any candidate. I'm a huge rap stan, but... I don't even care if Scotty wins Rookie of the Year or not because Scotty is on our team, and that is the bigger joy than any award. That's like the healthiest Twitter take I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> that's the way to look at it, man. It's a it's a three horse race. Do you have any last thoughts on this? I just wanted to get on my soapbox a little bit because I think people are being real dumb, as Raptors fans included. Like it's not a clear decided thing, and there's still a fifth of the season left to decide things, so there's no need to come to any grand conclusion right now. Just appreciate that these three dudes all rock. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't be more in agreement with you. I think that's just the nature of Twitter. Uh, it's increasingly toxic, increasingly, mm. you know, uh, black or white uh, in terms of the takes. There's no real room for nuance. Uh, and so I kind of just take it for what it is. Um, mm-hmm. say, it's not even just Twitter, though. It's like, you know, media, like established media folks writing about this stuff, even in some ways. It's like, how can you be this declarative, man? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If that's the case, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I haven't been reading that stuff, but if that's the case, that, that's frustrating. <laughs> I'm just sl- uh, it's but... like to eat up the slop. I guess I don't know. I'm at the trough. <laughs> just give me the give me that garbage, baby. <laughs> Extra. Great. Oh man. Oh, but yeah, uh... I mean, that is frustrating to see because to me, you know, you look at this class and the way they've started out. There's a very long way uh, for them to go. But mm-hmm. they project to go down in, in one of those, you know, special draft classes that we saw yep. in 96 or 2003 or, you know, 84. Um, and again, you got to do a whole lot more to really get in that conversation. But uh, it's a heck of a start, that's for sure. To leave off the Scotty chat on a good note, uh, you have to pick one Scotty play from the weekend that stands as your favorite. What was it? One Scotty play that stands out as uh, my favorite. I Honestly, I will go with the one uh, against the Suns where he was able to pick off the pass under two minutes remaining, uh, head down court. And it's a, it's a very little thing, mm-hmm. but to me it meant something that he didn't turn back to stare right. at the opponent and just threw it down. Right. <laughs> because, you know, this is something Fred Van Vliet has talked about in terms of valuing each possession. And when you're mm-hmm. in a tight game, closing stretches, you know, maybe I'm just being old school here, but you know, that that's definitely not the time to, you know, be staring back at your opponent. You know, we know, we know he loves to do that. Maybe he'll still do it in the second and third quarters, but uh, <laughs> I was happy to see fourth quarter winning time, you know, just throw it down, get that bucket. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, that Suns game was a lot of fun. We kind of talked heavy nuggets on this one because I think it was maybe the more unlikely of the two wins, but both were incredible. Um, the uh, play that stands out for me, it's kind of a sneaky one. 
much like yours, I would argue. Uh, it was in the Nuggets game. I think it's in the first half in the second quarter. And Pascal is trying to seal out under the basket with like three dudes around him. And the pass Scotty threw to get him the ball where he just kind of like delicately drops a little teardrop and it just lands perfectly in Siakam's cradle with three dudes all around him with no chance of getting a hand on the ball. That's a ridiculous pass. I think that got slept on in that game because he did a lot of other stuff. He was collecting his own misses off, off, off free throws. He was scoring on the run. He was scoring over Jokic. He was doing everything. But that pass, man, like that really to me is one of like the greatest in- indicators of his like touch and feel for the game. Like no one has a right of throwing an entry pass like that with three dudes kind of lurking around Siakam. Unbelievable stuff. Anyway, we love Scotty Barnes over here. Uh, if you haven't noticed, we're going to continue on and talk about the dudes of the game from both games over the weekend against the Suns and against the Denver Nuggets. That's coming up in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college t- basketball's tournament is finally upon us. The bracket is set. And from all the sl- latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info ahead of this year's March Madness. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, so you are never making a bet without being fully informed. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information. You've got, of course, live betting. You've got Vegas casino games. You can put money down on baseball. It's back, baby. Throw some futures money on the Blue Jays to win the World Series because they're definitely going to do it. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. Bet Online is where the game starts. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And we round out your first listen of the day here with the dudes of the game, the way we close out each and every one of these games. I have taken the liberty of choosing the dude of the game for the Suns game on Friday because it's someone we have not really talked about who made his return, who did not play on Saturday, but I think his return was just like a, a balm for dry lips or whatever we're talking about, whatever the metaphor is you want. Fred VanVleet's through the game for Friday. Uh, wasn't like a terribly uh, huge performance necessarily. Just 10 points, 8 boards, 4 assists. But I don't know about you, man. I, I just thought his return to the lineup was just so comforting. It was like a security blanket just being thrown onto the shoulders of all the players. And the organization was, was there. It was like, I just, he's so, so good and you know i just think having him for that game on friday against the suns when it wasn't clear you know obviously he played against the spurs last week as well so it wasn't his first game back but i just think the organization he offers is just so valuable and i really liked his performance against the suns even if it was a quieter one you know three of 11 it wasn't anything crazy but what did you think of the way fred played on friday 
Yeah, I mean, it, it speaks volumes that he didn't play great, but, you know, it's it, it still, <laughs> uh, you know, was important to have him out there. And mm -hmm. I don't think there's uh, a better indicator of the value he brings to the team than Gary Trent's performance. And, yeah. you know, the way Fred is able to help open up the court and offer his spacing and make life easier for Gary Trent Jr., I don't think it's a coincidence that he goes into a slump with Fred Van Vliet uh, out of the lineup. Uh, yep. And so, uh, you know, for Fred to be back and Gary Trent to go back on uh, the heater that he's seemingly been on for most of the season, um, I think that that's where you see the value, right? And mm -hmm. uh, even the driving lanes for Pascal Siakam, right? We saw uh, that he was doing everything he can to try and work through uh, multiple bodies. And uh, on some level that affects his efficiency. Uh, mm -hmm. but you know, uh, for him to, uh, you know, have the lanes open up to be able to get 10 assists, uh, uh, against the Suns, you know, I think that shows, uh, the value that Fred brings to the table. Yeah. And I mean, again, I, I think this was like kind of a rough game by Fred standards, you know, and all things told, because like he was having a lot of trouble with the length of the Suns. There wasn't really anybody that he had guarding him who was, you know, like not going to give him trouble, even campaigns like long, it was kind of in his stuff. But I, again, I just think like the space he breathes into the team is so unbelievably valuable. And even when he's not having his best play, I mean, he had five turnovers to four assists. Like you're rarely going to see that from Fred Van Vliet. But even on another like that, like it, it just it's so apparent that the team is healthier when he's out there. And I mean, it speaks to what an incredible performance it was on Saturday that did it without him in the second night of the back to back like that was just an out of body experience for a lot of those guys, but Fred just makes everything that much easier for everyone. And, and like, I it just, it's nice to have him back. I'm glad they took it safe with him on Saturday, honestly, after picking up that win, you know, I, I, if the Raptors had gone in, I know like teams don't go into games being like, Oh, we're going to lose this one. But had they gone in thinking, Oh, well, it's okay to rest this one for Fred because we won on Friday. And that's like a good split to pick up at the very least. Like, I think that was smart. Even, like, Nick Nurse kind of managed Fred's minutes in that Suns game on Friday as well. He only played, like, 16 first-half minutes or something like that. It was beautiful. He played 22 in the second half, uh, which, again, goes into his dudeness on the night. Uh, just kind of making things easier while also having himself a pretty hard night overall. So that's my due to the game. Maybe a controversial choice. I don't know. We'll continue on to the due to the game for the Nuggets game. I'll let you pick this one, Big V. Who do you got? Well, uh, to remove some of the controversy from picking Fred uh, for game one as a combination of his performances in game one and game two, I'm going to finish uh, the way I started this show and shout out Ken Birch. Uh, yeah. I think, uh, the work he did in both games was phenomenal. You look at, you know, the Raptors looking to blitz Devin Booker uh, and the mm -hmm. way he was able to use his uh, lateral quickness to stick with him and force the ball out of his hands, then rotate back to the middle and protect the paint. Uh, and, you know, help clean up the glass. And then you look at the Nuggets game too. You know, six offensive rebounds. We talked about how big of a factor uh, that the offensive rebounding was in that game. Defensively, again, uh, you know, really sticking with guards. I mean, there was that one possession that I thought uh, was about to set the tone for the quarter. I mean, regardless of the make, it did, where... You see Delano Banton pressing up on, uh, by the way, shout out to Delano, who was great as Ooh, well. Um, yeah. You know, Delano's pressing up on Bones Highland, full court. Uh, it takes Highland about seven seconds just to get, uh, you know, uh, past half court. And then 
he's not able to make a, pla- a pass. He takes a screen from DeMarcus Cousins uh, and is switched on to Kem Birch, tries to uh, beat Birch on, in a foot race, uh, gets nothing, goes out, resets, attacks Kem Birch again, gets nothing, <laughs> kicks it out, uh, and eventually makes that fadeaway three over Birch uh, with Birch draped all over him. But, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that possession sort of set the tone uh, for the rest of that fourth quarter where the Raptors, you know, just were magnificent. And uh, I think I think a lot of credit goes to Birch for uh, the way he's played in both games. I mean, shout out the alley-oop too. I mean, yeah, I didn't I didn't think there was any way he was going to throw that down. I thought that was just a bad pass and that was going to end poorly, <laughs> especially with the guys, the, the guy's knee. I mean, that could have been the end of that. Um, yep. But he throws it down, and then they just keep going. Yeah, Thad, you brazen son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> it's like testing that knee out. Just does not care. No regard for Ken Burch's yeah. ligaments. Uh, but it was beautiful. Love to see it. That I mean, this is the thing. You could have given the dude of the game to, like, eight guys over the course of the two games. That, like, it was just a really, really excellent team effort over the course of two games. That's cliche. We haven't even That's talked about Precious like, today. That's the thing is like, let's, okay, let's do some quick rapid fire dude mentions. Dude, dude, runner up dudes of the game. Let's just rapid fire through some dudes here to round out the show. Uh, Precious Achua is like over 50% on threes over his last uh, X number of, I think, 25 attempts or so. He is uh, up to 37% from three on the season. He is making fewer erratic plays. He got to start on Saturday, which is an interesting little wrinkle that we didn't really talk about. And who knows if that's going to be a long term thing. Uh, shout out to Armani Brooks, by the way. He also gets a little shout out here. He had a couple of nice contests in that in the Nuggets game. I'll, I'll take it. Why not? Starter Armani Brooks. But uh, precious thoughts. Give him give him away. Uh, precious thoughts. Yeah, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with you know just less erraticness uh, mm-hmm. and you know the shot recognition. You need you need the spacing, and so the Raptors obviously have confidence in him shooting the shot. The fact that he's taking those above the break threes now to go with the corner threes. Uh, I mean, he's a guy that's not short on confidence. That's that's mm-hmm. why we saw him try to make as many plays as we did in the first half of the season. But uh, I think he's keeping things simpler. Uh, obviously, there's still you know some of those uh, mistakes in those in those de- decision making where you know probably hanging on to the ball a bit too long and uh, times where he's going at it when there's definitely better options available. But again, you see the progress, right? And so yeah. from the start of the season to now, and then uh, you know I'm I'm sure there's going to be some really ugly plays in the playoffs, uh, but that's all part of the growth and the maturation. And I'll bring it back to patience, right? You you just yep. Let these guys go through it and understand it. And then they're showing that, you know, they're smart enough to figure it out and become better players as a result of it. Yeah, I I, um, I think it speaks to my like renewed and growing trust in Precious. There was a possession in the first quarter. It was like the third possession of the game. Where Gary Trent Jr., I think they were kind of up against the, like they had numbers. It was sort of semi-transition. And... Gary Trent Jr. makes a drive and Precious Achua is wide open in the right corner calling for it by like 30 feet. There's no one around him. And Trent, coming off a night where he scored 42 points the night before, angered me by not making the pass to Precious because I was like, there's three points right there. He's going to hit that. He always hits that now. Uh, You know, Trent missed the floater and it was fine. They ended up winning. It didn't matter. But uh, that play in particular, I didn't ever think I'd feel myself being like, pass to Precious. But I was. And so that's growth. 
Uh, <laughs> quickly, Chris Boucher, I think we probably should talk about too. He was uh, just tremendous, especially on Saturday. Less, a little quieter on Friday, but Saturday, 21 points, 8 of 15, 13 boards, nine of which on the came on the offensive glass. I think he really offered a nice element to that closing lineup they went with before Siakam came in in the fourth quarter. Like they needed some kind of finishing out there, and he was very eager to be that finisher, kind of in the vein of like a Serge Ibaka from the past. I thought. Uh, thoughts on Boucher's weekend, particularly Saturday against Denver. I think if there's two things that he has sort of flipped the script on this season, one is you know the ability to be an impact player, and mm-hmm. two is the ability to be a leader. Uh, yeah. I think when he's come in with these bench units. Uh, you, you've noticed stretches where it's like, oh, we really need uh, some outside shooting right now. And, you know, he he's like, OK, I got to pop these threes uh, and, oh, we really need some extra possessions. I'm going to go get it off the offensive glass. I mean, we talked about Kem six. He had nine <laughs> against mm-hmm. the Nuggets. So a uh, huge factor. Uh, and, and the scoring, you know, when he gets his scoring going, uh, he is a legitimate, you know, uh, X factor off the bench. If that scoring was as consistent uh, as it was last season, he'd probably be in that sixth man running. Uh, yeah. I think that uh, that's how effective he's been after that cold start to the season. So, uh, yeah, shout out to him. Uh, you know, probably the most, um, probably the not the most important because of the swing factor of some of the other guys off the bench, but uh, yeah. I, I think the most consistent at least. A hundred percent. Yeah. I would say he's been, yeah, most important. That's a difficult one to kind of sum up. I would probably say maybe precious, but I mean, Boucher has been right there. He's, he's been damn effective and it was really great to see him kind of be instrumental in that fourth quarter run against the nuggets against a team that like, you know, I think he really struggled last time against Denver. If I ever call like kind of just getting bullied around by dudes who are bigger than him. Uh, it was nice to see him kind of overcome the size mismatch and uh, do what he did. It was just a wonderful weekend, man. Feeling good, feeling real good. Uh, that We've said all of this without even really acknowledging uh, Pascal Siakam is uh, fully back after a couple slow games out of the break. Uh, he's been just a dynamite playmaking on Friday against the Suns with 10 assists, The just scoring at will, 31 points through three quarters against the Nuggets. Just uh, Pascal Siakam, that all-NBA train is kicking back up, baby. Uh, fire the coal engines. We're going forward. Uh, we're going to wrap up here, though, and we'll come back on tomorrow's episode. We'll talk about Raptors-Lakers, which is going on tonight. That should be fun. Hopefully embarrassing for the Lakers, as most Lakers games are, so we'll see. Uh, and We will break it all down on tomorrow's episode of the podcast. Before we get out of here, though, Big V, anything you would like to promote for the good people out there? Uh, usual stuff uh, at raptors.com. You can go check it out. Um, if you haven't read my story on Alex Auerbach and uh, sort of how the Raptors manage their mental well-being through the season. I recommend you go check that out. If uh, uh, you know, if you have a chance this week, I'll have a couple stories out uh, on the team, and that's about it for me. You can follow all of it at Vivek M. Jacob. 
Sounds good, brother. Nice talking to you as always. It's always wonderful to begin the week with Big V on my screen. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can find the show wherever you get your podcasts, both audio and video. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, on all your favorite podcast apps, all that good stuff. Uh, thanks for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day locked on NBA as the folks over there are covering all that is going on around the NBA each and every night, breaking down the biggest games and the storylines that you need to know if you did not catch the games yourself so go check that show out we'll be back again tomorrow to talk raptors lakers until then bye hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today